You're listening to World Changing Ideas. I'm Talib Vizram. Today, we have a special holiday episode where I'll be joined by Casey Ifiani, host of Creative Conversation, and Kate Davis, host of The New Way We Work, to reflect on the past year here at Fast Company and to share some New Year's resolutions. Why, hello, Kate. <laughs> Hi, Casey. <laughs> and hello, Talib. Hey, Casey. How are you? I Oh, that is a loaded question. I'm going to turn it around on both of you because here we are yet again with yet another year behind us. So before I answer the question, how's everyone doing? How's your 2021 been? Who likes who? What's going on? (laughs) Fill me in. I mean, it's so hard to differentiate 2021 from 2020 in a way. It just feels like one year that's been like 10 years, right? Yeah, it really has. So, yeah, Talib, to answer your question about how I am, that's how I am. That it all just feels like one big mush of a year. So, how are you? Well, we're almost there, right? We're doing like if, we, if anyone's doing an advent calendar of 2021, we're we're in the final stretch. But what does this mean? What is 2020? Is 2022 just going to be like another year of everything just meshing together? Because I, you know, there's, I will say this, there has been not tonight, I don't want to make it all seem like a big downer because there have been many things to celebrate. (laughs) And there's been many positive things in 2021, especially compared to 2020. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) and I know that that really has kind of come one of the many things, especially fast companies come, you know, with these really cool podcasts that we've been doing. And, you know, I know that Talib, you definitely had some highlights on world changing ideas this past year. So tell us about them. Yeah, we've had so many cool innovations that we covered this year. Um, Let me see some highlights. We talked about 3D printing in space. Uh, We had a company that is trying to extract clean water out of thin air. Um, But I guess a, a a huge highlight for me was that we taste tested the new Beyond Burger, the Beyond Burger 3.0, uh, live on, on on well not live, we're a podcast, but but on air. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I had four cheeseburgers delivered to me at home about half an hour before we recorded. Oh um, I did not eat them all. I mean, yeah. It, it, so we tested the burgers and and spoke to the CEO of of Beyond Meat at the same time, um, which was really fun. Uh, another highlight I thought was uh, we did a roundtable with mayors um, who had started guaranteed income pilots um, in their respective cities. And I thought it was really cool to be able to get everyone's kind of individual inputs from their own cities. Um, and then we also had a, a guaranteed income recipient um, who gave his kind of personal experience in receiving that cash. Uh, so I thought that was really uh, insightful. Hmm. That sounds fascinating, but how did those burgers taste? I want, yeah, I wanted to ask the same thing. Did you, if it's a three did you have the the one and the two and how does it compare? Exactly, I've had the one I have not tried Beyond Burger since I think it first rolled out. So, wh- where do we stand on the taste? This is the most important question. I know, guaranteed income fat Beyond Burgers. Let's dive into this. Um, well, it was it was actually new to me because I I'd had the Impossible Burger. I had not mm. had the Beyond. Um, 
And it was good. I, I will say it, it doesn't taste like meat to me, but it, it, it has its own kind of pleasant taste that I liked. Um, I can't really compare it to, to older versions, but I think they got the 3.0 pretty, pretty down. Okay. Now, I've been a vegetarian for decades, for a very long time. And I will say that I don't need, obviously, my like burgers to taste like meat. So that's kind of a, an endorsement for me, is if it's just <laughs> trying to taste good. Not to make this all about burgers, but... <laughs> Listen, we're trying to cling to happiness here, and like burgers make people happy. I will say the Guaranteed Income um, episode was fantastic. That I, mm. I really enjoyed that one. For sure. For Thank sure. You. But yes, listen to both of them. <laughs> For sure. While eating a Beyond Burger. Not that this is, this is not sponsored. <laughs> but. Eat whatever you want. <laughs> You know, one interesting point that came up in the Beyond Meat interview was that plant-based meat could become like wireless phones hmm. uh, in that they will become more ubiquitous and, you know, the, the wired phones that we once saw could kind of fade away. What are your thoughts on that? Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, okay, I'll say, I'll say this. So I've been a vegetarian since I was 12. And oh, wow. the world of being a, a vegetarian at 12 versus now which was, you know, a little while ago. It's kind of everywhere now in a way that it wasn't then, and that's been over the last couple of decades. And it's I could see in the next 10 years that plant-based meat are just more common to find. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's going to be as common as the cell phone, though. No, because I feel like with... I can see where they're going with that comparison, but I feel like with, you know, with cell phones, it's like that's become such an essential part of our lives where I look at these plant-based solutions as just more options. You know, it's, it's great for the people who are, you know, vegetarians or, you know, the vegan options, whatever. But for someone like me who eats everything, I actually like having that choice. Like sometimes I'll have meat. Sometimes I like going to the grocery store and seeing more and more options of plant-based foods. So for me, it's just kind of like adding to this uh, carousel of delights in my <laughs> fridge. So it's not, it's not ever going to replace one thing outright. As you said, like it doesn't, it never really tastes like meat. <laughs> Which, but was you his know, thought on it becoming like that because real meat is going to be unsustainable as far as its impact on the environment and the cost and, and all of that? I think he was thinking, you know, people just generally being more uh, open minded, right? About, you know, we, we talk about kind of consumer responsibility, people just being more open to, to ethical choices or. At some point, we, we move into that direction. Having said that, I'm in the office today, and I'm seeing that there are still things called wired phones. So, <laughs> mm. <laughs> Okay, so Casey, it's your turn now. You have a great job where you get to talk to some really creative people, some really interesting people. What conversations did you have this year that were your favorite? Yeah, I mean, I had some truly amazing guests this season, but two in particular had some gems that really hit me personally. Uh, the first one was Brooklyn rapper Coda the Friend, and he was talking about unitasking. And he said, quote, never feel guilty for giving your energy to this one thing. If you have a kid, give undivided attention to your child. If you're working, give undivided attention to your work. If you want time to yourself, give that undivided attention. And it's so simple, for, but for me, I always need that reminder that it's okay to focus on one thing at a time, particularly when you're doing so many things at work. Like, you know, I, I have so many plates always spinning in the air and you always feel or I always feel like I have to multitask and do everything at once but talking to Coda and just kind of hearing it from him it's it was just a reminder that it's okay 
to take things one thing at a time, that it doesn't make you less than, it doesn't make you, you know, uh, incompetent. It just means that you are focusing on one thing and you're making that one thing as good as it can be. So just the idea of unitasking was something that I was like, oh, right. Yeah, I don't have to do all of this at once because we're so inundated with this this idea of multitasking. And some people are some people are really good at it, but I think it's okay to say like, I just want to focus on one thing. So yeah, yeah, I feel that a lot. I mean, we we've covered on on my show, we've covered multitasking a lot, and like I always think, and it's so hard to not give into it, but I always think of of the the line on. Uh, Professor Art Markman had said when we talked about multitasking, which is you think you're good at it, but it's really just doing multiple things poorly. Like you're just exactly. doing a lot bad rather than one thing good. And I think about that too, of like devoting, you know, instead of like being distracted, like devoting all of your attention to one thing at a time. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly how I feel. You ever have too many things to do that you actually end up doing none of them? Yeah. Yes. Well, that's what multitasking ends up being, right? And it's like that like busy work where you're like, oh, I'm checking this and I'm checking that and I'm checking this. And then like hours go by and you're like, what did I actually get done? Right. Or sometimes you just, I feel like kind of paralyzed by it. I look at this, like this schedule of all the things that I have to do and it's paralyzing because in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, I have to do, I have to do all this at once. And you don't, you can just break it up into chunks or just do, just focus on that one thing. And if that means like telling other people like, hey, I see your Slack, I'll get to you in a second. Or, you know, like just zeroing in, just kind of closing out your email and like focusing on like writing, whatever. Like that's what I've always, that's what I always remind myself of, uh, that it is okay to take things one at a time. Um, but yeah, the, and I think the second gem that I had from this season was from Nick Kroll, who, you know, we know him as a comedian and the co-creator of one, of one of my favorite shows at the moment, Big Mouth. And one of the major themes that came from our conversation was how he's hiding less behind the characters he creates and is putting more of himself in his work. And because if you think about Nick's career, it's filled with all these like outlandish characters that he's created in Stand Up and on The Kroll Show. But him talking about stepping more in front of his work resonated with me because as a journalist, I almost find it comforting to in telling other people's stories. But as a writer and creator outside of work, I've really been trying to build up the courage to create projects that are reflective of me. And it's been baby steps. Um, even, even in something like I'm, you know, I'm looking at, I paint, um, not any good, but I do enjoy painting, but I've never put up any of my work in my space ever. And recently I finished this pretty big painting that I'm looking at right now that if you walk into my apartment, it's the first thing that you see. And even doing that was a huge step for me because when people come over, they're going to be like, oh, who did that? And I can be like, it was me. <laughs> so it's like, so You're it's, like, this it's hot been... new artist, maybe you've heard I, of him. No, but, oh God, <laughs> even that just cringe. Like whenever, this, I just hate, I've, I've always avoided the spotlight. Oddly enough, you would think that I'm some like boisterous, you know, theater kid, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> but I, I feel like it's just been baby steps of like putting more of my personal work out there as opposed to just strictly telling other people's stories, which I still absolutely love doing. But yeah, talking to Nick Kroll and him knowing that it was, it's been a struggle for him and knowing that like that, that was a part of the reason why he created all these this world of characters that we love, but it was him not feeling comfortable and putting himself in his work or putting himself out there. So yeah, that hit me in the feels and I'm trying to be better about it. Um, but yeah, so like I said, baby steps, this big blue monstrosity that's on my wall right now. Love you, mean it. 
You're great. What has been the reaction when you've said, when somebody said like, oh, who did that painting? Did anyone be like, oh, Casey, don't quit your day job? It's been great. It's been positive, <laughs> no, right? No, I mean, no. I mean, that's the, but it's been friends. Like, I'm not inviting strangers to my house. So it's always been friends that have been like, oh, this is, but yeah. I can tell like they're genuine. Like, and there's some friends who are actual artists <laughs> and they've been like, oh no, this is really cool. Like, this is great. And so, yeah, it's, it feels it feels encouraging to kind of keep going. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what I have. I have some plans for in 2022. Uh, wow. <laughs> we'll see how those uh, manifest, but yeah, baby steps. So you're not going to turn your camera around right now. So for us to, to have a look. <sighs> Do it. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I tell you what, I will send this in the Slack chat. Uh, listeners, I'm so sorry that you won't be able to, uh, you won't be privy to this, Wonderful blue painting that's going to take over our Basel next year, but um, yeah, I will share. I will share it in our Slack. Um, <laughs> I, I understand that though. It's like you know, I think a lot of people would he- would think of somebody who does panels and does a podcast and everything of like, mm-hmm. oh, I I don't mind being the center of attention, but that's all outward, you know? Yeah, that's not, exactly. It's, like, it's very vulnerable to like show your real something personal exactly yeah. if you hand me a mic i'll say something but you know if you if you say like here tell us your it's it's that feeling of like just being vulnerable and that's exactly what nick was ten, like mentioning is that you know he wants to be more vulnerable in his work and so you know when what i do at fast company it's it's always me being the vessel for someone else's story or you know mm. a conversation so mm-hmm. yeah that's um that's my truth. <laughs> Switching up the mic for the paintbrush. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and 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 other and other writing projects. Like I have a lot of things that I just want to get off the ground uh, in 2022. So oh, more more to see. come on that little foreshadowing. TK, 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 TK. So now, Kate, I'm going to flip it to you. <laughs> so, what <laughs> trends or evolutions in work life have surprised you the most? Yeah, so this year was a really big one for the podcast, actually. We relaunched in January 2021 with our new name, uh, The New Way We Work. Before that, uh, people may remember, we were the secrets of the most productive people. So for the first six months of the year, we kind of treated it as like a primer into some of the the biggest issues of inequality at work. Race, gender, disability, LGBTQ. And these are all topics that mean a lot to me that we've been covering in depth on Fast Company for years. So I was really excited to be able to finally bring them to life by giving the mic to people who are living and working in these areas and getting kind of new angles on things that I hadn't considered and and learning really along with our audience. Um, There were a few moments actually in in those earlier episodes of this past year where the guests actually corrected some of my assumptions and word choices. And I think those moments were so valuable because one, I, I love that the guests felt safe enough to do that, you know, on air with me. Um, But also because it was kind of a real-time example that you don't have to get everything right all the time to make progress and that you just have to be willing to learn from your mistakes. There's a couple of episodes that I would bring up. Uh, One in February was called, and I'm kind of like this this title, uh, The Toll of Code Switching and the Tyranny of Culture Fit. And in that wow. episode, right? <laughs> in that episode, I uh, I interviewed Professor Courtney McClooney from Cornell, and she broke down code switching, which I think, you know, we're all familiar with what it is, but how it starts at, like, really such a young age with kids of color in school and how it, how it then manifests in our work lives and how this kind of obsession with culture fit 
enforces these norms at work, and then subsequently the emotional toll that it takes on people. Um, Actually, for those who may not know what code switching is, can you give us a little primer? Because, I mean, you're talking to, you know, you're talking to a room full of journalists, two brown, so we know. Yeah, but like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and yeah, so it's a little weird for me. Like, let me explain code switching to you, Casey. I did not mean <laughs> let to the, Let the white the lady ex- explain code switching. Green book me through this. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> God, now I'm good. I don't, now you've like, I'm going to say something wrong. I didn't mean wrong, to put you in the right? hot <laughs> Honestly, like the, like, I have not taken for granted that people know all the ins and outs of these kinds of conversations, especially at the, after the events of 2020. Like, there's so many people that are like, oh, wow, this is a problem, or oh, wow, this is whatever. So I really, for the benefit of listeners who may not be that familiar with code switching, yeah, just say, yeah. this is your I mean, topic. It's, you know, and I'm not obviously going to, like, encapsulate everything that code switching is in, in five words, but it's, course it's, you know, it's basically changing the way that you speak, the way that you dress, the way that you act to fit with the dominant culture of where you are. So obviously in most spaces, that dominant culture is white, especially in like, you know, corporate office settings. So it's it's just trying to assimilate yourself into the people who are around you. And it's, yeah, it's this behavior that gets, you know, it's a survival technique and you you learn it, you know, from a very young age. And it's, exhausting and it's, it takes a, a real emotional toll and and the the co- or the um culture fit part of it is you see this so much in like the startup world right of like oh we we have to you know we have to get the like right culture fit and we have this like great culture and this really just a code for saying like we want to hire more people that look like us mm-hmm. right so. good answer <laughs> that, did my white lady answer of what code switching is pass pass muster your woke white lady answer of it. thank you very much <laughs> I, I get an official uh, stamp of approval um so another uh good episode from the that kind of first chunk in the, in the first six months of, of 2021 was in march when i talked to professor michelle ryan who coined the term glass cliff way back in 2004 and uh her and i talked about what happened in the last 15 years plus since she's brought this phenomenon to the world's attention and i will explain what the glass cliff i was is. just about that Th- that Thank one you. i'm maybe a little more <laughs> suited to explain right um so because you know what a glass ceiling is glass but, ceiling, yeah, most exactly. Do, but yeah. And so she she coined this uh, term back in 2004 because she noticed it happening. So everyone's familiar with the glass ceiling. Like you usually as a, as a woman can only like rise so far in, in the ranks and then you, you hit the glass ceiling. Um, there's many, many examples we can think of. But there's also many examples of the glass cliff. So it's when a company is failing and they bring in a woman to either save it. And if she doesn't save it, then look, we tried, we gave a woman an opportunity. And it's also w- women and people of color. It's basically anybody who's not, you know, the norm, cis, white, gendered male leader. It's, oh, well, we tried something new and look, they failed. So they are pushed off the glass cliff. Mm. So, yeah. Wow. They often are brought in, in in the most kind of precarious circumstances. Exactly. When, the, when they're kind of set up to fail, basically. Yeah. Um, switching gears a little bit in the, in the fall, the podcast focused a lot on the challenges and questions that we're all facing at work right now. So things like the great resignation, how to collaborate in a remote office. But my favorite, most recent episode 
from the last six months of the year was from December, and it has another good title. Uh, this is why your boss is so bad at his job. Um, <laughs> for that one, I had a great conversation with Dr. Tomas Chamaro Premizic, and we discussed why the people that end up in leadership positions often possess the traits that are least suited to manage and lead people. Um, uh, he, and he wrote he wrote a great book called Why um, So Many Incompetent Men Become Leaders, and part of it is that uh, all of the characteristics and personality traits that we associate with leaders, like being charismatic, um, are actually part of being a narcissist and and make you really bad at being a leader. So what you know what good leaders are empathetic and you know they listen. And anyways, it also led uh, Fast Company's podcast producer Josh Christensen and myself to take a narcissism personality assessment, which we uh, recorded for an episode, which was mm-hmm. honestly the most fun I've ever had recording the podcast. I'm not a narcissist, by the way. Okay, all right, if you say so. <laughs> I mean. Josh, our wonderful uh, producer, is online right now. Is, is she a narcissist? Can you like confirm or deny this? Like, no, she's not a narcissist, and neither am I. <laughs> for everyone who's listening, out of a possible forty, being like the the highest score, um, I'll quiz you. One person scored an eight, and one of us scored a twelve. Who was which? Oh, see, now that you're framing it like that, I'm pretty sure we know the answer. Yeah, yeah, All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 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 Sorry to bombard, bombard this recording from the producer chair. <laughs> but yes, I'm a slightly more of a narcissist than Kate. Least narcissist amongst us. See, and I, sh- I should have made both of you take it. Exactly. <laughs> I would have loved to. Right? I just always wonder with these tests, though, if you're just looking for the right answer because oh, you don't yeah. want to be called a narcissist, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the thing, the thing, you know, and I encourage everyone to listen to the episode because it's just kind of hilarious. And and um, Nick did a great job of like mashing up uh, um, us live taping the us taking the questions. Nick is our audio editor, by the way, for those listening yes, at home. Yes, because it was something like everybody will listen to me all the time. I have the greatest ideas ever. Or like sometimes people listen to me. Oh, my. <laughs> like. You kind of see, like, which one you should answer, right? Oh, yeah, that's interesting. I want to take it. We'll drop the link in there. Yes, yes. Fantastic. Drop that link. Oh, and I will say the only other uh, (laughs) plug I'm going to add is for the episode with Dr. Uh, Tomas Chamaro Premizic. I finally, after a hundred and some episodes of the podcast, found a way to put a Lizzo clip in. Wow. (laughs) You know what? I'm proud of you. Look at you. Thank you. Thank you. That's my biggest accomplishment you in 2021. You're not pulling Lizzo a narcissist, are you? <laughs> no, no. You can probably figure out, if you think hard enough, you can figure out what, what Lizzo line. I was like, this will work in this episode. Mm. So we're going to go from Kate's biggest accomplishment to our resolutions, which are going to be our biggest accomplishments in 2022. So, Kate, you narcissist you. I'm going to let you start. What are <laughs> your New Year's resolutions? So in 2021, I actually didn't make this as a New Year's resolution. I started it uh, randomly on December 10th, which was I started writing for 20 minutes a day, doing uh, working on some creative writing projects. And um, I hope to keep that up in 2022 and maybe expand it to like 30 minutes a day. I think it's a very achievable goal. Um, the other resolution I will add is I have a piano in my new home that I do not know how to play. And so I'm going to get piano lessons for my five-year-old and then watch those and learn how to play piano. Wow. You know, that's really funny because that absolutely is in parallel with my resolutions. I had the overall resolution of making habits 
because I feel like it's hard for me to make a habit or do something consistently to where it becomes a habit if it's something that is not directly enjoyable, right? So for me, I've done really well in in 2021 if making like working out every day a habit. And I hate working out. <laughs> I really hate it. But the results are great. But also, I've been uh, doing piano lessons. So I actually bought a key, like a full-scale keyboard, 88 keys. I bought it last year. And, you know, I was, like, doing a little bit here and there. And then I just completely put it by the wayside. And now... I have like a lifetime subscription to Playground Sessions, um, and I've been very consistent with it. And same thing with like language lessons. Like I have the full suite of Rosetta Stone in French, and I <laughs> I just always fall off from using it. So it's like my general goal going into 2022 that I've kind of been building momentum in this year is just building habits, like making sure that I stick with something because it's very easy to make excuses and say like, oh, I'm too busy or I'm too tired to do this. And so, you know, coming home, like at 2 a.m. I've done like workouts at 2 a.m. before, like where I'm like, I will do something today, even if it's like 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. I did the same thing with writing. I was like, I wrote even on my birthday. I wrote even when we had a power outage. I was like 20 minutes every day. Doesn't matter what. Doesn't matter if it's at 1 a.m. You have to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, I that. So that's great. Then we'll you know what? We'll have a nice duet on the piano. Oh, yeah. Like, like let's. Let, we're going to. <laughs> Art and the new theme song. (laughs) Yes. So, Talib, what about you? What are your resolutions? Well, mine's a little less uh, Renaissance man than. (laughs) No, it's a little more theoretical. I I, I would just like to feel a little less jaded about stuff. You know, I think it's easy (laughs) to kind of uh, take things for granted. You know, for example, you know, living in New York City, I mean, it's one of the greatest cities in the world. But when you live here for a long time, you forget that you're in New York City. You're going about your daily routine and, and you know, uh, it, it just kind of just starts to feel normal after a while. I guess they call it kind of finding the little joys in life, right? You're just kind of, hey, I'm doing this kind of seemingly mundane thing that's actually really cool. You know, I got to interview this person today or I wrote a really cool story like this today. Because we're doing it every day, it seems like it's not special, but kind of finding those little joys, um, I think, is really important. Yeah. That's a great one. I think sometimes I stop myself to think, you know what? Like, 10-year-old Kate would be really amazed by this. Like, to remember, like, that the things that we get to do are really cool and remember that. Yeah. I remember I used to have that resolution of being a better New Yorker. Like, that was, like, my resolution for, like, Three years straight, <laughs> like of just like you said, you, it's very easy to take for granted all the things that are available to us. For, you know, for those who live in New York, it's very. I've been living here for like thirteen years now, and it's like I feel like there's still some things that I have not done because right. I just don't think to do. So yeah, yeah. that I, I feel that one for sure. I think the British thing is you know being very cynical about things, <laughs> but sometimes you know I'm naturally British, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so be less British is my. <laughs> That's a great one. Your your New Year's resolution. Don't lose the accent though. Just be less. No, no, yeah. <laughs> Just entire personality. <laughs> Just exactly. The personality. <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, I think that's actually going to wrap things up for us. We will be back in the new year with more great podcast episodes for you. But before we go, we asked our colleagues here at Fast Company to record their resolutions as well as their family's resolutions. So we'll leave you with those. And as always, thank you so much for listening this past year. And thank you to everyone here at Fast Company who makes each of our shows possible. Happy holidays and happy new year, everyone. Happy new year, Kate. Happy new year, Talo. Thank you. Happy new year, Casey. Happy new year.
it, don't know how to say it, is um, to work on telling the truth more often because usually I don't, which makes people really annoyed. And then um, it doesn't end up well for me. For my New Year's resolution 2022, I'm focused on positivity. Basically, don't sweat the small stuff. Uh, Try to enjoy each day and have a happy and healthy mindset. My New Year's resolution is to find a hobby and to stick with it. So for my New Year's resolution, I want to speak my truth but not hurt anyone in the process and be comfortable with that. I would definitely say New Year's resolution is to like become a better driver because I am not necessarily the best driver when it comes to driving on the highways. This year there's two things that I want to focus about. So the first one is to record things that I'm grateful for. Just writing down three things that I'm grateful for. My second one is um, to like live more glamorously. Since the onset of COVID, I've just been wearing sweatpants all the time. My name is Liam, I'm 12 years old, and my New Year's resolution is to study more often and to do 10 sit-ups every day. My New Year resolution is to use more sustainable products when it comes to my business. My New Year's resolution for 2021 is to make 50 consecutive free throws. This year, I just want to continue a good habit that I started in 2021, which is kind of this devoted like journal time, tea time I call it, where I just sit and have a cup of tea and I might do some therapeutic coloring or something like that. My New Year's resolution is plain and simple. Drink more water. My New Year's resolution is to walk more, drive less, and try to do my bit to save the planet. I kind of have to be a better friend and family member by checking in on the people that I care about more often. And the second is to pay closer attention to my mental health and manage accordingly. Oh, and maybe get into like cryptocurrency.